just want us to reflect on those words there. Those words were first written in a poem in 1863 by a fellow called Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, right in the middle of the American Civil War. Uh, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet their songs repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Wow. A seeming total despair for an absence of peace, what was perceived to be an absence of peace in this world. There are people that feel like that even today. How do you feel about peace in this world, even at this Christmas time? Is it something that you think is achievable? Do you experience that yourself? Some psychologists would tell us that even kids as young as 12 and 13 are seeing them because they're fearful that the world is going to end. They can't see peace. They have no hope. They're worried about their future. Peace. It's something that we desperately long for, isn't it? Uh, peace in our own personal lives. Peace in our families. Peace in our workplaces. Peace in our church. Peace in our community. Peace in our world. Just peace. Peace. How do we equate where we are in the world in which we live with a prophecy of Isaiah some 600 years before Jesus was born? So Isaiah prophesied 600 years before Christ was born and he said this, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom from that time on and forever. And we know from that time on, was from the time of the birth of Jesus, when Jesus came. So don't be afraid. I bring you good news, said the angel to the shepherds, of great joy for all people. Today in the town of David has been born to you a Saviour. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. So now, how do we reconcile the truth of God's word with what we experience in our world today? Because I'm convinced that God's word is truth. And I'm convinced that Christmas is a lot more to us than just some kind of season that we stop and we pause and we celebrate that in some way will anaesthetise us from the pain that we see in our world and allow us then to go into the new year at least recharged in some way. God's word is truth. When Jesus came, Jesus brought peace. And I believe that that peace is available to you and to me right here, right now, each and every day. There's no need for us to despair. So let's have a look at the different aspects of peace. I believe the Bible talks about four different aspects of peace. And the first one is peace with God. Personal peace is our most basic human need. It was uh, Pascal <clears throat> that was uh, credited with saying that there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that can only be filled by God. 
The quote was a little bit different to that, but that's the way it's kind of been uh, paraphrased, that we each have this uh, God-shaped vacuum in our heart. We can try and fill it with everything else to find our peace, but the only thing that can really fill it is God. And that's when we'll find our peace. And if I haven't experienced that peace, if I'm still struggling with shame or guilt or doubt or those things, I'm never going to experience freedom. And without freedom, there can be no joy and there can be no hope and there will be no peace. And all the substitute desires for peace, even the way we want to stop over Christmas, as great as that is, are only going to be a temporary solution for a long-term need that we all have. And yet, the Apostle Paul was able to say this, since you have been or we have been justified by faith, we have peace with our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace. Not you will get peace. Not that peace is something you can hope for. This is a statement. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So what does it mean for us to be justified by faith? How do I get justified by faith? We do that by first recognising that we can never measure up to God's perfect standard. That we're all sinners, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, that we all need a saviour and that's exactly why Jesus came and so we get justified by faith we take hold of that when we take hold of what Jesus has already done for us on the cross and when we identify with what Jesus has done both as our sacrifice the sacrifice for our sin but also the substitute for our sin so what happens is that we can come and grab a hold of the peace of God by saying, Lord, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for what you've done for me on the cross. I actually see myself nailed to the cross with Jesus. You, Lord, Jesus, you have suffered the penalty of my sin. When those nails went through your hands and through your feet, that was for me. And I take hold of your sacrifice as my substitute on the cross. And therefore, I want to take hold of that peace that you offer. And then one amazing thing happens when we do that. It's called repentance. We're going this way. Repentance sounds like a fancy name, you know, that Christians use. Repentance just means I was walking this way and I recognised I was going the wrong way, so I wanted to turn around. Repentance is just turning around and following the Lord. And when that happens, God fills us with his Holy Spirit. And God sees us as justified, just as if I had died. And I can take hold of the peace that Jesus offers. And the result is that Christ will reign, that Christ will rule in our lives. Have you made your decision yet to take hold of what God has done for you through Jesus Christ? Take hold of that. To see yourself as nailed to the cross with Jesus and to say, Lord, I thank you that I can take hold of that peace. Friends, if you've done that, you have peace. Even now, the scriptures tell us that he is our peace, that he, Jesus, is our peace and he has broken down every wall, the things that divided and separated us from coming into the presence of a loving God.
And that peace is available right now to you and to me. In a little while, uh, Emily is going to illustrate for us in a visual way what that looks like. Um, Emma's been a, a Christian for a long period of time. And she's going to give us a picture of what Jesus has already done in her heart and in her life. And as she goes down into that water, it's going to be a picture that she has been washed clean. Her old life has been buried with Jesus. Her old life has been nailed to the cross with Jesus. And when she comes up out of that water, it's a picture of being raised to newness of life. A picture of what God will continue to do as she takes hold of his peace and moves forward. Secondly, I need to make peace with God, but secondly, I need to make peace with myself. So often the last person that forgives us is ourselves. And we can grab hold of things that we might have said, we might have done, and they'll replay over in our mind, how could I possibly have done that? I'll never measure up. I'll never really reflect Jesus in my life. And we can run the kind of the movie reel over in our minds and relive ways that we haven't measured up. The reality of the matter is, when we were nailed to Jesus, all of that's forgiven. We need to forgive ourselves. We need to move on. Satan's going to keep on bringing those things back to us because he wants to keep us bound, constrained, feeling unworthy, feeling totally worthless, feeling that we'll never measure up. We need to have peace with ourselves. That's why Paul was able to write, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God. There's that word again. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about what we might have done in the past. Don't be anxious about how we might have failed. Put those things right. But don't let that sap your peace. Take hold of the peace that God offers because our hearts and minds are under constant assault. The guilt, the anxiety, the worries, all those things that will keep coming. We simply need to keep laying them at the foot of Jesus. And to take hold of the promise that you, Lord, are going to keep in perfect peace those who my, whose minds are stayed on you, as one version says, those whose minds are steadfast. Because, why? Because they trust in you. Come to Jesus we say, I'm going to make peace with myself, Lord, because of what you've already done for me. I'm going to make peace with myself and I'm going to trust in you. And that peace is available right now too, but it needs to be continually topped up. So how can we do that? Well, the best way is for us to meditate on the word of God each and every day. I've been going through a Bible in a year app, something Sue Dunn put me on quite a few years ago now. And I've been going through that and there's quite a lot of reading to do in it. And when we came to um, the 40 days of prayer, I dispensed with that and just concentrated on the one verse that was there each day. And so I would read that each day and I wouldn't journal as we we're all asked to do that day. I would go through the day and meditate on what that verse was and then journal the next one. 
So I'd spend my day just meditating on one or two, maximum three verses of scripture a day. And it's amazing the difference that made to keep on going through that day and even to be sharing with Lynn, sitting in the office at different times saying, hey, isn't it amazing? This is what God's promise is today. And just recognising that it was a way I could be topped up with peace in my own life. And then we need to make peace with others. Um, and this type of peace is not always possible. Because Paul says, as far as it depends on you, right, live at peace with everyone. This translation says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now this Christmas might be awful, um, awkward for some of us. Almost as awkward as, what were they, Jed and Roy McCoy? Yeah, thanks, um, thanks Brad, thanks Emma. Um, Jed and Roy McCoy, who found it hard to get on uh, with each other. And uh, we might be gathered at Christmas uh, around a Christmas table with some that we have been a little alienated from and live alienated from, from much of the year. And those times can be very awkward. Very awkward indeed. Some of us will know why there is a distance there. We'll be able to point to different situations like 25 years ago, you know, five days and two hours, as Jed McCoy said. Um, you know, this bloke did something to me. Some of us will be able to see what is at the root cause, cause of that separation or that alienation, but other times we really won't know. So what can we do to live at peace with others? Well, irrespective of what the cause might be, we are called to be peacemakers, not just peacekeepers, but peacemakers, people that work to bring about peace between parties that are separated. And the best thing that we can do in that is, is to actually not do anything to exacerbate the situation. So Paul again writes for us, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And what we can do is keep on extending kindness and keep on trusting and praying that God will provide a way for true reconciliation to take place. Then the, first, the fourth kind and the final kind of peace that the Bible talks about is world peace. When Jesus came that first Christmas, he didn't bring peace into the world by simply being born as a baby. Actually, Jesus was born into very tumultuous times. Jesus was born into a Jewish situation in a time of Roman oppression and Roman rule. Jesus was born in a situation where the king, the King Herod, aware that a Messiah, being told that a Messiah had been born, set out to kill every child under the age of two and to track down Jesus. So Jesus was a refugee 2,000 years ago. And yet we do know that there is a time when Jesus will come back again, when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And that could happen at any time. And I'm looking forward to that time could happen at any time there is no part of scripture that needs to be fulfilled now for jesus return to be possible and i look forward to that 
And when that happens, that prophecy, which is only partly being fulfilled, or being fulfilled now, will be totally fulfilled. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. See, at the moment, the kingdom has come. But the kingdom is not yet fully complete. That will happen when Jesus comes back again. And when that happens, nation will not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. The work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. And the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What an amazing picture of what's going to happen with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord when Jesus comes back again. And that's an amazing picture. As I said, it's a day I long for. But having said that, that's not what you and I are here for now. We're not to be people that just hang along uh, around and say, no, gee, this world is a, a sad old place. You know, get me out of here. I can't wait for Jesus to come back. That's not the call of you and me now. Far from it. Far from it. The reason Jesus has done a work in your life and in my life is so that we can proclaim his rule and his reign and his peace in this world now. Our friends and our family that don't know Jesus need to know that they can make their peace with God. They need to know that they can make peace with themselves. They don't have to be eaten up by their own anxieties and their own past, that they can have a new beginning themselves through Jesus. And our friends and family need to know that we together can work hard to be reconciled and to be one because of who Jesus is. And that's why Henry Longfellow, all those years ago, was so right when he heard the bells on Christmas Day. He said, In despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But then his mantra went from that to this. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. You and I can proclaim the truth of that even this Christmas. Let's pray and then we're going to have a clip of that balance of that song before Thomas comes up. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we do want to praise you and thank you that you are our peace, that you have broken down every wall. You've broken down everything that separated us from yourself because of Jesus. We thank you for the new life that we can have in Jesus. And Father, we thank you for the peace that can inhabit us. And Lord, we ask, we want to take hold of that. And I pray for, for those of us today that might be feeling burdened, those that are feeling anxious, Father, those who are, are battling fears and anxieties, that, Father, you would work in power in our lives, that you, Lord, would bring a transformation, a, a, a mind that is transformed, and a hope that, Father, flows through us in a way that has 
us seeing you as our provider, as our loving father, as our daddy who wants to give us good things and everything we need and so much more. And Father, we ask that you would empower us as your people to proclaim your hope and your peace in this world that desperately needs it. Our Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.